All right, welcome to the latest episode of the Flipside Podcast. Um, my name is Jamie from uh, from England, living in Sydney, and this is my way of keeping in touch with people uh, from back home in the UK. Um, so we have our first girl on the podcast, a real life female. Who'd have thought it? Um, so no, I'm really, um, really, really excited to put this one out there. Um, so we've got Naomi Carpenter, um, someone that I've known for, for a few years, um, and she's got a lot of experience in terms of um she's got quite a sort of journey a kind of mental health journey to explain um we talk about therapy um kind of from sort of start to finish um on kind of posting this pod she's just um been kind of signed off of her current um therapy so um it, it gives a really honest kind of um perspective on mental health and, and the struggles that uh you know young women in particular have um in the modern day i guess uh you know we cover kind of social media and things like that as well um so i think it's, there's a there's a you know there's a lot of relevant topics for um people in there to to kind of resonate with um so give it a listen and as always let us know what you think Hello, Petal. Hello, how's it going? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'll have a slightly uh, rough voice of a heavy weekend in Manchester, oh, but here do. we are. Yeah, <laughs> it's my husky voice. Um, how long ago was it that we met? It... Oh, um, I'm going to say 2015. I think. Straight yeah, out I was like, Good I already knowledge. know, I have it written in my diary. <laughs> The year you met Jamie Town. Yeah. Didn't want to tell you the time and freak you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a while ago. You were always Jamie from Fish. In fact, you still are. Oh, really? Am I saved on your phone as Jamie, Jamie from Fish? Yeah, that's exactly how you're saved. And obviously, you've just been on the girls' weekend and they were asking about you, Jamie from Fish. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the the uh, the Jamie from Fish title. Jamie from Fish. As long as people know the context, I feel like it's fine. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. The context is that, is that I was working at a fish bar. So. Yeah, next door to the cafe I was working at. True story. True story. Mm. Hopefully, my boss isn't right. on here and knows that we used to give you free sandwiches. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I'd love those sandwiches every day. <laughs> they were so good. <clears throat> I didn't really want to speak to you at first. I just wanted the sandwiches. Oh, I knew it. And then you've ended up stuck with me like five years later. Yeah. Yeah. Tried to get away sandwiches. from you. are in Australia. Like, tried to get really far away from me and yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. All right. Um, we've got a few things to speak about on the list. Yep. Um. I guess let's put it out there. Um, one of the things that I did want to speak to you about was like mental health in general. Yeah. So like, do you, what are your kind of views on like the stigmas around it or the kind of current thoughts around mental health? I think, I'll just... what were you going to say there? Sorry. No, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to throw you 
hot potato there. <clears> yeah, I was going to say straight in the deep end, like, <laughs> oh, so what do you think of the stigma? <laughs> um, obviously, I think I almost understand how they came about because nobody wants to seem like they haven't got their shit together because that is literally how we're taught to live. Like, you can do everything or you have to do everything or you should be doing everything. And I just think, like, that's why it's so stigmatised because anyone that suddenly says, actually, I'm struggling to do all of these things, they're seen as maybe weak or as though they can't cope when you have to cope in this, this society. But I just think even when you just start talking to one person, everyone's in the same boat almost. And I think once you realise that, everything becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I, I think it it happens so much where you you, you worry about something, you know, and it is, this is not just mental health or whatever. It, mm. But when you when you like bottle something up, you worry about something, you worry about something, and then like you mention, you finally mention it to like someone, and then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, like I've done that, or I've, and you're like, what? And then you kind of like slowly realize, like, yeah, like everyone, everyone does this, everyone has this, or, or like. Um, I think people build up like stories in their mind about like you know that yeah. the, 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 they they kind of think that they're the freak. Absolutely, I think it's it's even like uh, to put it in an, into an example. It's like waiting to do your dishes, and then they pile up and pile up and pile up, and you're like, oh god, this is going to be such a huge thing now. I've got to do all of these dishes, but if you just start them and they're done straight away, and you're like, oh, it actually wasn't that bad to to just do the dishes. Like I always <laughs> think of it. Like I always think of it just like that. And then nice. you feel I like, more, I like, I like the yeah. analogy. Yeah, man, it's the, it's the same with anything, though, isn't it? You think it's such a monumental thing, and then once you start doing it or start talking about it or just start actually living it, then it's over at some point or you know how to deal with it. Yeah. <coughs> Washing the dishes, I like that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I um, say staring at the dishes that have not been done today. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe you need to do those dishes and you'll make Yeah, maybe better. I do. Yeah. <laughs> We've still got time. You can do it before bed after the pod. This is true. Um, so what are your, what are your, I mean, what are your personal, again, like huge hot potato here. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, what has kind of been your experience with mental health over the years? Sort of, um, yeah. I think, I think with some people, and especially myself, I just kind of ignored it and just passed it off as, you know, that's not how I feel. That's just a bad day or whatever. And then I think it becomes every day is a bad day. And you're like, I don't understand why it's a bad day every day. And I think as soon as you let yourself realize that actually maybe you might need some help, um, that's when it it gets I wouldn't say gets easier. I think once you f- finally talk about how you really feel, a weight is lifted, but then you suddenly have to deal with how to feel like that, but also either work on it or like live yeah. everyday life. And I think it almost gets, it almost, I can't lie, like it does get a little tiny bit harder because you suddenly realise why, but at least then you're learning the things you need to learn to deal with it. It, you, when you say so, it gets, it kind of gets harder. Is that kind of because you kind of like realize like, oh shit, I've, you know, if you get diagnosed with, uh, you know, like yeah, 
you have to, labeled you have, almost. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Because then you can, you know, I probably in my head thought I was going to go one of two ways. Like if somebody told me, like, you know, well, somebody did tell me that when, when my therapist told me I was, I was depressed and I had um, uh, depression-induced anxiety, I was like, yeah, I know I'm depressed. And he was like, no, you don't understand. You're depressed. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, obviously, that's why I'm here. <laughs> but then he just kept telling me and telling me because I think he didn't think it had sank in. And I was like, I know this. And then I went home and my body totally told me that I realised it because I could not move off the couch. I thought I was fine. But the realisation of actually knowing that to be a fact was a lot more intense than I anticipated. And my friend Kaylee had to literally cook my tea. I couldn't even walk across the room to the kitchen. So once you kind of get that label, it is a bit difficult in thinking, so is this just it then? I'm depressed. But it's the the realisation that actually that's a very good thing to know because now you know what to do about that or at least how to manage it. So when you said to the therapist, like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, was that you, <laughs> was that you genuinely know, knowing or was that you kind of like saying, using the words in the wrong way as in like, oh, you know, I'm just... I think that was me having assumed I had been depressed all those years but not really knowing the gravity of what that meant okay. to me yeah. personally. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I just kept saying, I know, I know. But I think it's because I was almost trying to shut him up. Like, don't you tell me that. <laughs> like, I don't need you to say that to me. <laughs> because I, I think <clears throat> I was, as I was sitting there, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, I don't know what this means. So... But I mean, I mean, the NHS were unbelievable, to be fair. They, they have so much information in this. They were so helpful. And once you kind of get over the realisation that you've been diagnosed with, like, a mental illness, like, for real. I say that with inverted commas, obviously you can't say. <laughs> but, like, I think that does change how you see it and how you see yourself. And it can be quite difficult. And I think there's not enough, which is why the stigma is so bad anyway, because people already feel the way they feel. And then they get told that they are a certain way. And it's really hard to not maybe then use that as an excuse to be a certain type of way, if that makes sense. What you, you feel like some people kind of use the the label of like mental health as a, an excuse to... I just think it's some people find it harder to then help themselves because they just think that's the way that they are. Okay. Not necessarily that, that they use it as an excuse. That probably phrased that wrong. But um, more just then you can just give up is is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Because there, there was a point where mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's not going to get any better if it hasn't. And I'm, I'm 26. Like, But it does. You just have to learn. Yeah, so I, so I guess that what you're saying is there's sort of like a, a bit of a step in the process where it's maybe, maybe, mm. a, bit of, maybe a bit of realisation and uh, and also kind of realising the fact that you have, yeah, it's something you're going to have to work work at and work through. Yeah, because there's no quick fix, which is quite frustrating. And especially with the therapy that I did, like I did CBT, so you have to be really open. And I think a lot of people find that quite hard. Yeah. It's not necessarily that you have to share your deepest, darkest secrets or anything like that. It's just being open to changing your way of thinking, yeah. which is obviously so difficult because when you, you know, as you get older, habits form and 
the way you think forms and it's it, as long as you change one of those things it's almost like a circle it kind of helps to change the rest and you do become slightly better but I think the biggest thing that people forget is that you're not just going to then be better for life yeah. you do have to constantly keep going back and making sure that you're doing the right things to become who you want to be in six months say do you do you almost think it's similar to um I know that's sort of very very different uh scenarios but in the same way that sort of like how you know like alcoholics say I am a recovering alcoholic and and they generally never yeah. never say that they're like a recovered uh, you know, yeah or like I used to yeah. be an alcoholic they, they say like I'm a, an alcoholic in recovery even if they've been Absolutely. like sober for 20 years it's like something that they have to like be work on every every single day yeah I completely agree <laughs> I think because you can't see it and obviously everyone not everyone's going to understand and I think that was my hardest thing that I sort of I needed people to understand how I felt and how I was feeling and that it is recovery and that it never stops and it is really difficult but obviously because you can't see it and you can't like there's no there's not necessarily always a physical change in you that people can see and they can understand so I think that makes it more difficult to stay in that recovery stage because you start thinking all of those negative things again and you're like no one understands blah 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 and it just kind of carries on but I think I think I would probably compare it to the gym in a way for me I think when I stop going to the gym I'm not as strong I can't sort of lift the same weights as I could before and it's the same with situations so like if I'm not working on myself and my mental health when it comes to a situation where I really need to kind of level my head I think you know I can then sit and I can overthink and I can get into that depressed hole and it just it's it's like one after another so I need to keep same way that I have to keep going to the gym to stay strong and stay healthy it's almost the same as like keep working on my mental health to be able to actually deal with general life and then everything that comes with that as well yeah I guess it's kind of like being proactive rather than reactive yeah um and, and yeah, I think it's like mental health needs to just, if you took away the stigma of mental health, then, then you, you basically have, you know, when you compare it to physical health, then, then they're the same, then the same thing almost. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, exactly. If I said to you, I was going to the gym every week, you wouldn't think that was a weird thing. Well, Whereas exactly. but, if you, if you but, say, oh, I'm go- going to therapy every week, everyone's a bit like, oh, like, are you okay? And I'm like, well no <laughs> hence why I'm going <laughs> well yeah but like I, I, I don't know should I, I think therapy is like I, I'm co- like I'm kind of considering the fact that maybe therapy is something that everyone should be doing or, or at least everyone oh, could benefit I from completely you, know, agree. You, know, you, you say oh like no well no I'm not all right because I'm going to therapy but um you know I think I'm kind of like looking to explore the fact that well even if there's nothing necessarily um you know, even if you're like, oh God, I, I've got this problem or, mm. you, you know, I mean, everyone's got problems, big or small in the, in their life. Yeah, um, I think it's relative and I think that gets forgotten as well. Say, like, if you had, like, your biggest problem isn't going to be my biggest problem and vice versa. Yeah. And I think, like, if if you just understand yourself a bit more, you'll then understand other people a bit more and it'll I mean it's in an ideal world isn't it like everyone would 
kind of understand each other and be a little bit more empathetic and just understand that some people either need to talk about how they feel and learn how to deal with themselves before they can actually deal with other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, no, it's, it's very true. Um, I mean, we've talked about this in a, <clears throat> excuse me, in a previous part about how kind of going through certain like adversities or um, it does sort of like when you go sort of full circle, it is there's sort of like a lot of kind of brings around this sort of empathy at the end. Um, yeah, you know, I guess it's sort of you realize like oh, like if you've gone gone through something and you realize like oh well, like this guy's going through the same thing, like and you, you're like well, I, I've been there, you know what I mean? And you kind of really want to help that person. <clears throat> yeah, but I think sometimes people are on the other side of that in terms of where, and I think this is how there ends up being the stigma because some people kind of. Or like, well, I've been through this and I was fine, almost. Does that make sense? Like, oh, okay, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think if everyone, even if I think there just needs to be more of an education around therapy in generalists and absolutely mental health because it it can seem minor to some people, but to that person, that that's potentially their whole world crumbling. Especially if there's, for lack of a better phrase, no reason behind it. There's not been any trauma. They're just that's how they're wired. And I think that can be so difficult and so mentally draining for people as well as actually having either that anxiety or that depression or what other, other mental health issues that they could have. And I think, like you say, without this stigma, it would just be so normal for everyone to just have the therapist, like the same way that you've got a dentist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's so true how, um, like you say, kind of different people are going to find different, things in their life difficult yeah um like i uh again it's sort of in the previous podcast like one thing i've talked about in my life is that there's you know the the, the thing that i find the like hardest is, is the re- like relationship side of my life um yeah where some people might be but that might not affect them as much um and, and like because i've always compared it to uh, like grievances in my life so i've talked about like one like I've lost someone close to me and, and not that I haven't yeah not that I haven't like cared about that person or not that I found it easy but I, I found that more I found that less difficult to cope with than than like you know say breaking up with someone which like I've always found kind of quite strange and other people might find that quite strange because it's not I kind of understand but, but it, though, it just shows you know it just shows that sort of different people just kind of yeah. are just like wired differently or um, or mm. kind of think about things in a different way. <clears throat> I feel like I understand that in a way because I was literally talking about this the other day that almost when someone dies, they're gone because they're gone. Whereas when someone doesn't want to be in your life anymore, I think that can be more difficult because then you have to go and watch them live out their life without you in a way. And especially if it, it was in your sort of master plan to like have yeah. that person in your life for X amount of time or, and you were going to do this, that and the other with them. And then they suddenly have decided like, actually, no, I'm going to go and live off my life without you. I think that can be really traumatic. Yeah. And I just think, I think like breakups are a massive source of trauma and relationships even, not just not just breakups, but relationships are a huge source of trauma for a lot of people. And I think it it gets dismissed almost because it's just like, oh, it's just a boy or oh, it's just a girl. Like there's plenty more fish in the sea and, and that kind of stuff because 
people don't realize that there's a lot of emotional attachment there of course but also there's a lot of life attachment there as well of, of expectation of what you were going to do and it almost sometimes can feel like that's been ripped away from you yeah even whether you whether you've done it yourself or whether the other person's done it to you I think either way it can be really traumatizing yeah 100 percent. I think that's that's kind of um the the been the main thing for me is that you know it's like you have this future in your mind and then suddenly it's gone mm. um and also i think yeah it, it, there's there's possibly the the element of kind of rejection if someone said that they don't want to be with you um yeah like like you say obviously you can you know breakups can still be <clears throat> excuse me can still be hard um if you've been the one to have to do it don't get me wrong um yeah but also i guess the the element of rejection kind of um can be difficult as well um uh, you know and in comparison to like a say a death in the family that you know you obviously don't have that rigid you know that person hasn't chosen yeah to they didn't reject. they didn't choose to leave you like yeah I I, think, I, I, you know, and even if that person did choose to yeah oh yeah um, uh-huh. it's not like, like it's not the same it's rejection not... necessarily mm. <clears throat> yeah I think we attach a lot of happiness in other people as well. And this has been my biggest problem um, in terms of relationships where I'm like, I've great. I found this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm like, they are my happiness. Now this is what it is. And this is how I'm going to live my life. Whereas I think now I, the best piece of advice I got was from my friend Joe. And he said that you have to create your own happiness because then anyone else that comes into your life can add to it but they can't take it away because that is yours. Yeah. So that for me was such a huge turning point. I remember messaging him back being like, you're crazy. That's so stupid. Like you can't just say that because obviously you just find someone you want to be with them. You love them and blah, blah, blah. And then the more I I was single, the more I kind of came to realize that, oh my God, he's actually right. Like you, you start to do things for yourself and you almost realize that actually you don't need another person, but, if and when you do, that should add to your life. Yeah. Rather than make it complete. There's been such a romanticised view on that other person being your other half that I think we take that too literally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've... So I've had, like, Amesh and um, Jack on the on the podcast previously to this, and both, both of them have both said um, about kind of the importance of you know sort of like loving yourself and 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 obviously there's sort yeah. of like the cliche thing of loving yourself before you love others and but it's it, like it's so true yes it really the cliches is are cliches for a reason yeah is that right yeah I think I think probably alongside therapy and alongside sort of having depression and anxiety like loving yourself can be so difficult anyway and then when you've got those other things going on it's like nigh on impossible so then when you do manage to to do that and then you sort of realize like actually for all I don't know how I feel about myself there is definitely a way that I can learn how to love myself as I am rather than trying to be good enough for somebody else you need to try and be good enough for yourself and I think um I think that's the probably the most difficult thing but once you've mastered that (laughs) You know, it's over for everyone else. <laughs> what do you mean it's over? It's over. It's over for these bitches. 
I'm joking. I am. I'm so kidding. <laughs> but I just mean that when you finally learn how to make yourself happy, that's that's where it's at. Yeah. And I never ever knew how good it was to have time to yourself. Yeah. I've always made plans upon plans upon plans so that I would never have a second alone. I would double book and then hopefully if one person cancelled, the other person would, you know, step in and I would always have plans with, say, like three people at least in one day. Yeah. Just to just to make sure that I wasn't on my own and that I couldn't just sit and think about, like, myself or where my life was going and all the rest of it. So I think not having that person there that's sort of the one that you go to constantly, I just started going to myself instead. Um and this is the longest I've been single as an adult. And I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been, it's been very eye-opening. Yeah, I, I think um, I certainly, like, used to do that as well. Kind of just constantly, any any kind of, like, time off work I had or it would constantly just be, like, filling it with social, like, social events, meeting people. And obviously, you know, social events are great. Um and having mates and stuff is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it's you know, it's good to be. Everyone should be a loner. But um, yeah, you know, and and certainly, I, like, I also like just couldn't even like I couldn't even uh, sit in silence. So like, yeah, I, I'd always have, I'd always have to have like music on in the background. <clears throat> like, always have yeah. my headphones in, or if I was just like in my flat, I'd always have to have like like background noise. Um, you know, because it was li- I, I was literally like uncomfortable with my own thoughts. Like, look, I, you know, yeah. it's one of those things that I look back on. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like but then, like, once I when had... I started like meditating it and things, and yeah. being a bit more like self-aware, then like it just suddenly went away. I just suddenly didn't have yeah. didn't have that need to, um, well, both didn't have that need to kind of always so be social socially interactive, and also didn't have that need to have kind of like just background noise to, you know stop the silence kind of thing yeah I totally totally resonate with that um I had this revelation like the other night I rolled over in bed and I went to go to sleep and I was just I was just like I'd had a I'd had a great day and I just like was lying down and I thought god I remember when I couldn't even get into bed on my own I couldn't even like without not sleeping all night because I was on my own and now I'm just like, ah, oh, finally in bed, about to go to sleep. And I didn't even think about the fact that I was on my own. <laughs> that's so funny. And I think that's, I know that's such a weird thing because most people just get into bed and they go to sleep. But to me, I just kind of rolled over and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was obviously so stupid, really, when I think about it. But I was just like, I can't believe that this is so easy for me now to just go to sleep. That's not not to say that it's not still sometimes difficult and I have to, you know, spoon my pillow, but <laughs> I just mean in terms of, like, not having to do all of these crazy things to try and sleep. Instead, I could just be content in where I was for once. Yeah, and I bet that that's one of those things that you can kind of, like, look back on and, like, almost laugh at yourself that you, could, that you couldn't go to sleep, like, alone. Yeah, because like yeah, literally that's one of the most normal things like that you could possibly I do. Like. I know, and I remember just like literally like realizing what I was thinking, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's crazy!" Because it's not like I hadn't slept alone for the last two years, nearly. Um, 
I mean, you know, I'd had someone there living with me for a while and I was used to someone being there. And when they weren't, it was so difficult to try and sleep. And then even, you know, throughout my last relationship, I found it really difficult to sleep on my own, even though my ex, like, wouldn't stay over here. But it was more just, like, I don't know whether it was the the fact that there was no one to be in the bed. I don't know. I can't, I can't even place it or, like, what it was. But just realising that being on your own isn't the worst thing in the world. And actually, your own company can be great. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so I guess if we if we kind of try and rewind, um, just sort of like the 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 process in which you got to how did you like get to being in therapy? So was it going to the GP or um, or what? Or what, what was the sort I, of trigger point to make you go do that? Or I think I was coming up to a sort of um. A year, a year anniversary of something kind of not very nice. Mm-hmm. And I think that was almost the catalyst in making me realise that I wasn't okay. And I mean, I hadn't been for a long time. I think probably my earliest thought of knowing I wasn't okay, but not really understanding why was maybe when I was about 12 <clears throat> or like, or maybe a little bit older, like 14, but not understanding that not everyone even felt like that. I didn't know that that wasn't normal, how I, should, how I was feeling. Yeah. So as I got older, obviously things happened and I just assumed, well, this has happened and that's why I'm down. And then, you know, a lot of things happened. But this time it didn't make any sense for me to be feeling like that. And I just didn't understand how to fix it. Everything I did just didn't work. And it got to the point where I was kind of not looking after myself anymore, like couldn't get out of bed, like, was finding it difficult to leave the house. My anxiety was, like, through the roof, but I didn't really realise that it was anxiety because I had never really, like, sort of looked into it like that. I just didn't understand why I felt like that all the time. And it was at the point where I was just kind of... I mean, this is going to get deep for a second, but it was kind of... I was at the point where I wouldn't really even look when I was crossing the road because I didn't really care. Really? Okay. And what, like, so I didn't really care, like, what happened. And it almost, your brain's kind of like, no one would care if I got knocked over anyway. So, you know, it doesn't matter. And obviously, that's quite a dangerous place to be mm-hmm. in. Um, and I think, I, actually, my friend was over, and there was a few of us, and we, we, she was learning to be a yoga teacher. And we sort of had this, like, sharing circle that she wanted to do. And we, we wrote down things that, made us feel a certain way and the girls faces when they saw what I had written kind of made me realize that actually maybe it's time to kind of help myself and I messaged a couple of people that I had seen had been to therapy before and because of the stigma around it I found it really difficult to make that decision yeah but it came to a point where I thought I need to do this otherwise I'm not sure where I'll end up so anyway the next day, uh, I just rang the GP and they kind of referred me straight away to uh, a place called Talking Therapies. And they sort of make you do a bit of a questionnaire. And I think that's quite traumatic in itself, but so necessary because 
someone's validating how you feel for the first time and yes your friends kind of understand how you feel but it's like a real a very real thing and a very real feeling that what you're feeling is is real and it's not that it's okay but it almost is a weight lifted off you thinking yeah oh I'm not I'm not stupid like this is going on and this is how I feel and it was a little bit frightening for someone to go you know on a scale of (laughs) one to ten like how worthless do you feel every day and I was like oh god that that realization is a bit much so I think people should probably be a bit a little bit prepared for that but because I I wasn't at all um anyway so I did this I did this quiz and then they sort of make you sign up for another like a questionnaire and then you do that and you know they had to give me like the crisis <clears throat> numbers because of the answers and again that was a little bit like traumatic I was a bit like oh god they've had to like give me crisis numbers like what does this mean like am I really that bad and I think it goes around in your head a lot and then you put on the waiting list basically once you've done your phone appointment uh and I think this was maybe the October and I think I was waiting for four months so that Christmas was actually quite difficult um I was like I don't really feel like I was in my body that whole time um And then I think I got the call in the middle of January and then my first appointment was at the end of January and it was a little bit surreal going into it because I was like, really don't know what to expect, but Mm. I have amazing friends and I think I have, my support system's phenomenal, but I still felt like chronically lonely. So they they would all like rally around me and one of them said like, you know, I've, I've learned about all of this therapy before and you've just got to be like really open. So like I totally understand where she's coming from because anyone that ever asks me or asks for any advice, I just say you have to be completely open and honest, not with necessarily with the therapist, but with yourself, because if you don't let them in almost and you don't sort of look for the real answers, then it's, it really does not work for you at all. Um, I'll never forget once I was sat with my therapist and he was like, uh, and how how does that make you feel? You know, the cliche question. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it makes me feel blue. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, why is he looking at me like that? And then anyway, we got further into it and he went, how does that really make you feel? And I was like, shit, absolutely fucking shit. I was like, it makes me feel awful. And he, and he rubbed this word blue off the off the board that he was using and he went, and he wrote down shit and he went, I'm not here to chit chat. I don't want the fluffy answers you give to your friends so that they don't feel bad when you feel so bad. It was like, I want to know how you really feel. And I think from that point, I was the most honest I think I've ever been with anyone and myself. Yeah. And it's just such, like, therapy in such a weird way is such a turning point for you because you understand yourself so much more and you kind of, you start doing things differently, which is obviously what it's for. But I think it, can blow your own mind in terms of like oh my god I'm actually doing the things that I'm here to like learn so from that initial phone call to then knowing how to sort of manage how you feel it just blows your mind because you remember how you felt at that first phone call and you think how am I the same person <laughs> if that makes sense sorry that's quite a ramble but it's like it just no no it's interesting <laughs> kind of brings interesting. Up, yeah it brings up all of the all of the different things that you feel and it's, it's strange looking back on it because that was the first time I went and after my recent breakup, uh, I did not handle that well. And I ended up having to call to go again, uh, which I'm 
almost at the end of, I think, this time. But we're just doing a bit of a test to see if I can handle things on my own. <laughs> okay, so you st- you're still in therapy at the minute? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is my second my second time back. This time I only had to wait a month, purely because of the nature of the first phone call. So I think sort of depending on how high risk you are, um, the less time you wait, I think. Anyway, I don't. That just is how it seems to me. I really don't know if the waiting list is kind of, you know, based on that at all. But it seemed like that to me. Yeah, uh, on um, on the sort of um, details that you gave there. I mean, would you? The, re- the reason I'm kind of going to push you, let's say, push you on this, or, or ask this question. Um, <laughs> Well, no, I'll ask you the question and I'll explain it. But would you okay. would you say that you you experienced like suicidal thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I I am quite frank about it. Like, if anyone ever asked me, I would tell them the truth. I've definitely been, I've definitely been suicidal, um, but I think sort of more in terms of. It, I think it it all depends. I think sometimes it's because you feel like you just don't want to feel the way you're feeling anymore, and it would be easier if you just weren't here. And then I think it spirals into no one would care. I might as well just do it. Like those kind of thoughts are so plaguing every day. Yeah. That you sort you sort of think, mm, maybe that would be the best decision, and you almost convince yourself that that's a fact, and that that is what what should happen. Um. But yeah, that is that when I called them the second time, that was kind of why because um, I got I got sort of pushed a little bit to call the crisis line, which I did need to do because I was not okay. Um, and I called them, and they kind of I had my assessment again, and uh, because of she had said on the phone that I wasn't allowed to stay on my own that weekend, um, my friends were really worried about me, so I did have to sort of go back, you know, to therapy and just make sure that I could deal with things as they happen. Yeah. Rather than the first time I went, it was kind of how to be, how to learn to be on my own because of this loneliness and this sort of chronic worrying about what, what I'm doing in life and where I should be and why I don't have kids yet and why I'm not married yet and why I don't have this, that and the other, because I'm in my late twenties and you know, there's so much time. There is so much time, but then I, because I realized that, but then this whole, like we were saying before, this whole sort of, future I'd planned out in my head kind of got ripped away from me I was a bit like that's it then that's me done and to to think that at obviously 26 blows my mind now because I'm like what is like what was I thinking like it doesn't make any sense yeah and the, the, sorry see, I, the, I'll explain why, why I asked that question I mean so no no um well I mean I, I, I've, I've done a lot of charity work with um papyrus which is prevention of young suicide um yeah, and obviously that was on the back of kind of my experience with having a you know losing the best mate, and then kind of knowing a lot of other people who who lost people through suicide. And the reason, obviously, I kind of knew the answer that you were going to give, but I just thought it was important to to kind of point out because um, so one thing that you, that I'd learned at Papyrus was the the fact that um, you know they they try and kind of normalise suicidal thoughts. Now, what I mean by that is that is the fact that it's 
I can't remember that the, they'll they'll kill me obviously for not knowing the statistics. But the, the, <laughs> yeah, you should know uh, the, the the statistics for you know people having suicidal thoughts is that most people in their life at some point have suicidal thoughts, and not yeah. not to um, to take light of them. Um, and I'm not saying that you know you shouldn't kind of address them. Um, but what, I do think it's but, very dangerous not to address them. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm not saying you shouldn't address them, but in the same way that yeah. mental, you know, mental health should be something that's kind of normalised and talked about. Um, also, having suicidal thoughts is, um, I don't want to say it's normal, but um, it's, <laughs> I do get what it's something, I do get it's something, what, what you mean. Yeah, it's something that a lot of people think about. I'd say most people will think about it at some point in their life. Yeah, and I think almost everyone I've ever spoken to has sort of said, you know, well, yeah, I felt like that because of this, or I felt like that because of this. Like, I think the earliest time, like, I think, obviously I touched on it before, I think I was probably about 14 when I first ever felt suicidal, if I'm being honest. I think I remember lying on my bed, and I was I was writing out this um this note on my phone that was sort of me saying that I was sorry I wasn't good enough and that you know all these things and for being a young kid like writing those things down I sort of think back and I think god like I can't believe that like that was the first time I felt like that and then it's sort of come full circle where now I almost think like yeah I'm gonna get some days where I feel like I'd be better off not being here, but it's more once you've learned how to deal with those those feelings and those thoughts, I think it does kind of get easier. Yeah. But like you say, normalizing it probably would help so many people because you sit and you think it almost like being anxious and being depressed is like you get you get anxious and depressed about being anxious and depressed and how anxious and depressed you are if that makes sense yeah which is so stupid isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah and my favorite thing is when I worry that I'm not worried I'm like well if I'm not worried there's obviously something I should be worried about so why am I worried about being what yeah and it's just so I'm exhausted constantly if I'm honest (laughs) I never stop my brain's like a million miles an hour but learning how to kind of finally switch off from that even sometimes has helped me so much like going back to like talking before about spending time on your own and actually like trying to do things for you instead of live your life around other people and stuff like that's always been such a a terrible terrible habit of mine just living my life for anyone else that now it feels kind of good to say no to things and make sure that I have time to myself and I really respect when other people do I've got a couple of friends that are quite quite introverted and they've really taught me a lot about it as well like that sometimes you do just need to recharge and because I'm constantly just burning the candle at both ends most of the time I forget that that's so important yeah 100% and I think when you're talking about that kind of um being comfortable with you with yourself and and previously just feeling lonely like I think it, it just always comes mm. back to the fact that, um, you know, if you're if you're feeling like in inverted commas lonely, then that's because you don't enjoy the company yeah. of yourself. Like you and you you don't have that 
like it kind of comes back to not you don't have that loving yourself um you haven't got that relationship with yourself almost yeah especially when it's yourself that's telling you the worst things Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what makes it more difficult to be alone when you already don't like spending time on your own anyway and I think there's such a difference between being alone and being lonely if if you're on your own it's totally fine it is fine and I think I think that's why people attach so much to relationships because then they're like, you know, that I've got that person there and then they can be they can be my one and then I'll never be lonely again. And then I think it, again it comes back to the whole breakup thing and you're like, oh god, now I'm now I'm alone. And I think alone is such a like it's like a dirty word almost. It's like people people hate to say it, but what's wrong with being on your own? What's wrong with being alone? I have friends that are absolutely bossing it and they're on their own like it makes no difference at all I've got friends who are married and also bossing it it just depends on you as a person more than whether you're with someone or not on how how easy you find it to be alone yeah I think it's kind of like putting you know putting the eggs in certain baskets and all that isn't it (laughs) yeah don't want to put all your eggs in someone's basket for uh, (laughs) you know um keep some of those eggs for yourself (laughs) Well, yeah, I think, like you say, it just kind of comes back to finding your own happiness before, you know, don't find it in someone else um, necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I, to- totally. And, and also, kind of like, you, uh, you know, when you, when you said about kind of the classic things that you kind of you might worry about, like, oh, I'm I'm not married yet, I haven't got kids yet, or, or whatever. Like, yeah. It's all just about perception, isn't it? Like. Oh, hundred percent. I think they're called like the shoulds, and um, the, the shoulds. Like it's all these things that you should be doing. Oh, okay. When real realistically, everyone as cheesy as it sounds, everyone is on their own journey. Like you are doing your own thing, and I think it should be so important for you to be doing your own thing. But that do- it sounds weird saying it out loud because I feel like that doesn't mean you you have to be alone or single or whatever but it's just that you should know that that's so important as well if that makes sense just that you need to have that time to like get to know yourself yeah because really what you should be doing is focusing on yourself and then if you want to invite other people into that then that's fine but I think I think being in your late 20s is completely bizarre. Everyone just expects you to be married or have kids. And to think when I was younger, I thought I was going to have like a 100 kids and be married and have a house. And I'm sitting here at 27 looking at the hummus and like guacamole on my coffee table that I'm having for my tea. And I'm like, how on earth would I even manage with all of those things? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's just everyone does things at a different pace and um yeah and yeah I mean I think like I I was I remember when I was a kid it was I'm 30 you know you just like yeah for some reason you have this sort of like time time scale of like doing everything in your 20s um it doesn't make any sense like think about how much other like rest of your life you actually have and then it's like everyone wants to do everything by the time they're 30 and it just doesn't make sense to me at all and 
Um, yeah, it, it, it is strange how that you, you kind of because and again, it was all just a what all that perception, just thinking that that's yeah. what you have to do. And, and like uh, me and Jack have, have spoken on the podcast about like your twenties should be um, just kind of like going out and experimenting. Yeah, like, finding who you are as a person, like. And to be fair, you, some uh, people although, might find that in their teens, you know, like the, yeah, you get genuinely might find kind of like really kind of settle down and and things that you know in your late teens, and then and then maybe get married in the early twenties or have kids or whatever. Yeah, like, don't it, get me wrong, obviously, it's different for everyone. Yeah, you know? yeah, obviously, if that is what people have done and they've 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 been sort of they've worked hard enough or been lucky enough or whatever it is to be able to buy a house and and have all those things and do all those things I think life just takes you on a different journey and what whatever happens happens for a reason I always think like sometimes I'm like what's the reason for this I know it's definitely gonna have one but it's a bit frustrating that I don't know yet (laughs) especially when it's something bad I'm like oh god like I know this is gonna be some sort of bloody lesson but what is it (laughs) but yeah so sometimes I'm just a bit like could do with a bit of a break you know <laughs> but then again like you sort of feel guilty for saying that because it you know I I don't have the worst life um but again it's just relative isn't it yeah I mean well yeah again like kind of like coming back to perspective it's, it's like yeah sometimes if you're having you know a shit time of things it, you can kind of you yeah. can kind of go like Oh, well, yeah, at least I've got like a roof, a roof over my head. Or like, yeah, that, I that, know. That, that doesn't, I don't think that, I think that lasts all of like, it doesn't help. Like... Yeah, it does not help you at all. And then, especially say, if you know, you're trying to, this is the thing I found quite difficult. Like, you're trying to explain these things to your friends, and especially the, the, the therapy thing and the, the mental health thing. I think you're trying to explain it. And I remember someone literally said to me once, um, it could be worse, or they were like, you know, worse things happen in the world. And I was like, oh wow, I was like, you do not get it at all, but that's okay because if that's how you live your life and you're happy, then good for you. I wish that I could do that, but yeah, safe to say, I didn't really tell them much after that. <laughs> yeah, but that just comes down to awareness, doesn't it? Because I think yeah, um, another thing we, we've we're well, we'll be on the podcast at some point. Um, it, that we talk about is like what you should have learned at school, and. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like the, and obviously, kind of, I had to go out and do my own education about, for example, like, you know, that's how I got involved in like the suicide prevention charity work, and I think that was how I had to go out and do that, like, kind of get that education myself because I was like, you know, sort of just kind of like left in a place where like, what, what's going on? Like, didn't have a, have a clue what like mental health was or anything. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just yeah. You were quite young when you started that, right? Uh, I guess like it's twenty one, twenty two. Um, that's when I when I think of that age now, I just think, God, that's such like a baby. You know, like you don't know anything then. So that must have been quite traumatic, like. Well, you, you, for you, you as a person, you say you don't know anything, but like you should know. <laughs> you should know all about it by then. Because, yeah, I guess. because like, I mean, certainly, like it's like after puberty is basically when these things are possibly going to come about, as in you know anything with mental health or um yeah uh, and, and it's not just about like dealing with it yourself like it's it should also be about understanding what other people are going through 
A hundred percent. Because, like, I mean, I've I've had kind of difficult times in you know in my life for the past couple of years potentially, but I don't necessarily consider myself as someone that's you know saying say I don't think I've experienced like depression like yourself, but at the same time, yeah. at the same time. And that's not me having that. That's not like a badge of honor. Like I've not been depressed. No, because like, like I, I say, I, I, I you know I've like everyone sh- and I, like everyone should admit to. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've had difficult times, you know, throughout my life. But at the same time, I think it's I, I you know I feel a little bit more educated on how to deal with other people having. Yeah. Um, I mean that's because I've literally had kind of been able to go on courses, etc. Um, but. You know, like it's so important to have the skills to deal with other people and help other people in certain ways, and as well as yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think, say, say you've just said that, like you don't feel like, you know, you've had depression like me. It's it's quite often that people get discounted for that as well. I think, um, but it's, it comes back to it all being relative again. I think, and then especially like you say you should be educated on how to deal with people that that do have mental health issues but but because because more people are talking about it I do think it is getting better and I do think that in the future it will be normal to be able to talk about how you feel and and I wonder I often wonder if mental health issues wouldn't be quite so bad if we could all talk more from an early age not to say that some people won't still be depressed or anxious or whatever else but I do think that that would definitely make it a thousand times easier yeah 100% if you talk yeah you know from my perspective the the reason why I've kind of always wanted to get involved in in kind of the subject of mental health is that you know that well obviously you can kind of look at say suicide and see that it's you know the biggest killer of young men in the UK or you know whatever the latest statistic is but um it's you know people kind of do a lot of fundraisers and things for um yeah cancer charities and things like that like as they should um but you know it's kind of suicide is just a just as much of a problem um yeah and and obviously kind of suicide is in is kind of the the outcome of poor mental health um potentially yeah um so you, you know you the kind of that's the suicide's the worst outcome but there's also a lot yeah. of people suffering from the actual mental health side of things in general so kind of when you look at it yeah. when you look at it like a big picture like that like it's it's a huge problem that, that kind of society's not just probably not quite dealing with yeah, to know that, I think that's such a, it's it's such a limbo to be in. Like it's it's perpetually exhausting and and terrifying to be on the verge of of those feelings and have those thoughts constantly. And I just think when I think about how many people must feel like that before they actually do commit suicide, like like part of the reason I want to do the podcast is to just sort of like to make people realise that, like, you can be more open about things. Yeah, uh, I think it's so, I mean, so important. Especially males, they're not, not as open as they should be and stuff, so. Yeah, I think, I really feel for, for my for my guy friends, because I think a lot of them don't really have that safe space anyway. 
And I think I always try and be there for people, even when I've got my own shit going on. Actually, when I've got my own shit going on, it's it's easier for me to be there for other people because I can focus on their shit instead of my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a really healthy coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's interesting yeah. you say that, actually, because, yeah, it does kind of make me think. Yeah, and I think I really, really like helping people. And I think it makes me feel better. Not necessarily better as a person or a better person. It just makes me feel happy. Mm. And I think, like, because of that, it's almost like a better way to sort of stop feeling shit. But then also someone else is getting something out of it because you're helping them. Yeah, I think... So, I mean... It's almost selfish in a way. Like, I'm always like, please let me be your, like, wise head that you need because if that's going to help you and in turn it's going to help me. So sometimes it is a little bit selfish, I guess. No, but I think, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, because when I first started doing the, the charity work, like, I remember people were like, I don't know, yeah, people were giving me, like, all this praise for, like, doing the charity work. Um, which, yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, this, like, what like this is that's not right like I almost, I almost felt guilty that I felt good about doing something good yeah you know what I mean but there's, when, when there's actually, that when actually it. like it's, it's just good that you're doing something good like embrace it and, and kind of like it's not because I was worried that I was like I was like, oh god am I doing this for the right reasons like am I doing this for like selfish reasons and then you think like no, yeah. like, no you're not you're just wanting to help people like yeah and you know absolutely if you, if you get praised for doing that then then you know embrace it <clears throat> you're not being selfish I mean you can flip you can you can flip it on its head though and I think sometimes taking on too much burden of like other people's problems because you're trying to run away from your own so much that yeah you can become so so overwhelmed and that's that's quite a toxic trait sometimes because mm. you, you're so you're so like focused on other people that you kind of let go of your own self yeah and I think that can be really hard Mm, no, that's interesting. So that's something we haven't spoken about social media. Oh, my voice went there. Social media. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I get. I often get perceived as a very fucking different person because of my social media. Like, I get a lot where people think I'm some sort of like stuck up bitch because I like to post for a shit candid now and then. Yeah. Slash all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I just enjoy that. I enjoy taking a photo. I enjoy editing a photo. I like to post it. I like to think of a shit put put in it. You know, like I sort of I probably perpetuate the issue of, oh, this is me living my best life. Whereas I think if you actually know me, you know that you know for a fact like that's not really who I am, I guess, but it's just no one really lives their truth on there. And I think, you know, so long as you kinda keep it real with yourself it's fine to put what you want on social media. It's kind of, it's your responsibility to process what you see on social media. It's no one's fault what they're posting almost. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that rule, but I do think that you have to be mindful of how you feel when you look at something. And then if that, if, if something you keep looking at is triggering you constantly, then you need to sort of figure out what to do to make that better. Rather than say to someone, oh, you can't post this picture of you in a bikini because I feel shit about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. Because I think I've kind of gone through, I've had that thought process of, I talked to Amesh about this uh, in, a pre- in a previous podcast, um, in that, you know, like I've 
say I'm kind of like traveling at the minute, do I post, like say, me on a beach or whatever, or, you know, like yeah. all this, because like, I, I want to post that. And the, like, there's half of me, yeah. there's half of me that kind of wants that, like, holds back and go, like, oh, like, am I, am I making someone's day shit by like showing how much of a good time I'm yeah. having? And obviously, like I said, but, like, like, like I said, it, it's, you know, you'll post something that, a picture of like an amazing piece of scenery or something, and like you, you that you what mm-hmm. you won't post the, um, you know, the, the, the thing that just just went wrong in the day or whatever. Yeah, um, but, and it's, but I, it's not I, to say that you have to. I agree with I agree with what you're saying. Is that it's the responsibility mm. of the viewer as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you can't help necessarily how something makes you feel, but you can moderate your intake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I kind of get annoyed when people go right. That's it. I'm coming off social media, um, and then they're back in a fucking week. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like. It's, it's, that's probably going to make them even fucking worse. And I think, I don't know, I'm always in two minds about it because for all I say that I don't let social media affect me necessarily, of course it does sometimes. Like I can't, you know, that, but that's my own fault for either spending too much time on it or, you know, whatever the trigger is for me is different for someone else. Like I've unfollowed a lot of accounts that I feel like make me feel shit or I might make, or might make me feel shit. And I think a couple of my friends come off it from time to time. And I think, you know, if that's the healthy way to sort of regulate how you feel and then come back on it and you're fine, then fair enough. But I think when people make these big announcements like, oh, I'm coming off social media, it's too much and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but we all know you're coming back. (laughs) (laughs) In this society now, it's like addictive, I think, to be on it. And I'm, I'm terrible for being on my phone. Like, I know that. I'm the first to admit it. It was one of my things in therapy. It was like, you need to do this and you need to not be on your phone in bed because that'll help you sleep more. And I'm just like, you know, fuck you. What else am I going to do? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, But I think it's being a bit more honest with yourself on what makes you feel shit about social media yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. there's, there's a certain element of like you haven't got control over what other people post. Yes. But you ha- what you yeah. have got control over is like, who you follow? I mean, like, yeah, you, you can probably be quite realistic about it. Like, you should, like, you shouldn't be on your phone for fucking four hours a day. But if, you know, like, yeah. if you are going to be on like Instagram for like two hours a yeah. day, like, then make sure regulate what yeah, you're looking regulate at. Regulate what because like that's going to literally like think about all impact that information. Your game massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impact your life. Your brain's like a computer. Like, it's not just going to see something totally like trigger it and just be like yeah that's cool whatever like it's gonna be like okay now there's an error do you know what I mean like it it's hard to describe because like even today I was like oh should I post this picture of me standing clearly posing with a wine glass on this lovely like rooftop fucking bar like everyone knows that's not my real life I was fucking sat having my lunch or something or maybe I posted it when I got home I can't remember but um and I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to post it because I like it. Why not? Like, if I like the photo and I want to post it, I think there's a common misconception about posting because you want people to like your photo when necessary. It's not necessarily about that. And I think do you still have, I'm excited. Um, like number of likes. Yeah, and... I've still got. I've still got them. Like we've still got them over here because Ellie had just said uh, that they don't. They don't have them in Australia anymore. Yeah. And I was like. I 
I can't wait for that because it'll be so much nicer and people will realize that you know you're not posting it just for likes like obviously it is nice when someone like likes your photo I guess but or like say your crush likes your photo or something stupid like that and you're like oh that's cute like they like my photo or whatever but I think as long as you're just doing the right things for you it doesn't matter like I posted a photo today because I wanted to post a photo today and because I liked it and I like I like trying to make my Instagram look pretty but that's just for me like it's not necessarily for anyone else and yeah you could argue that it's on a public sort of forum almost and that it's it's out there for everyone to see and I'm like well yeah but also that's just the society we live in that like this is an app that I use every day does that make sense yeah yeah and I think when I um when I made the Instagram account for the podcast I like generally just followed um like like people that I find it like really interesting that are kind of relevant to the podcast rather than people I know. Um, yeah, and so, exactly. And like and so like suddenly I had this feed that was just so much more like interesting than you know like everyone's bloody holiday photos and stuff. <laughs> I think that's a weird thing as well. Like once you start tailoring like sort of what you want to see on your Instagram, it becomes such a different space. And especially you're saying like, wow, all these things are so interesting. Like I've noticed before that like where, where we were talking about likes, I'm like. People are so much more interested in a picture of, say, like me standing there doing fuck all than they are of something quite interesting. And I just think, hmm, I wonder if that maybe has like impacted what I post and when I post it, or at least it has in the past. Now it's a bit different because I just kind of post what I want. Like I'm posting a picture of my breakfast that I ate today that like no one gives a fuck about, but I like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, but I get what you're saying about how it became like this whole different thing and a, a lot more interesting to you. And maybe that's, maybe that's what you should do with your own Instagram. <laughs> Just unfollow. Uh, but then there's the politics of it, isn't there? Like, Oh, you can't unfollow this person. And yeah, but you can, mute, you get... can mute stories and or mute posts and stuff. So yeah. without, I've, I've, I've muted people. They don't know that they're muted, but I've definitely. No, exactly. Muted. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do it just I like, oh, I'm people... sick of this person posting. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I have no fucking doubt that I'll get muted because I could put like twenty fucking stories on in a day, or I could do one. Like, I know for a fact that I'll be muted on some people's, and I, I don't care. Like, if they want to see less of me in their day to make it better, then okay, <laughs> you know, make that decision for you, hon. <laughs> like, that's fine. And anyone that still has notifications on on the phone I bet you do but <laughs> why do you better see I... <laughs> common misconception that all I care about is Instagram it's actually not you know, okay, um to be fair it's funny you say that because I keep missing things because I've turned a lot of my no- notifications off surprisingly but I, it wasn't that I didn't want to be on my phone as much because like I'm not that bothered like you know when I'm with friends or whatever like I won't be on it um but it's just kind of, I, t- I turned them off because because I was so anxious all the time. It was like too much to try and think about replying to everybody as well. And then sometimes you feel kind of bad because you're like, oh, I've missed all these messages that are like asking me if I'm okay, but I actually physically can't reply. So I think a lot of people don't realize that they can actually do that and, you know, feel better about not having to be on their phone constantly. Yeah, like just if, having something in your pocket that like buzzes every time 
like someone or or someone in a conversation, a group message that you're in says something and it makes you look at your phone. Like you're you're literally like just gonna be on your phone like twenty four seven. Whereas if, yeah. if you turn all that off and then you just go on your phone when you want to look at your phone. Um yeah. it's just like it's like Because I've built such a habit of that, it is so fucking hard to break it. And like I mean, to be fair, I haven't really tried. I've turned obviously some of, most of my notifications off, which does help, but like I haven't actively tried to not be on my phone as much. But I know for a fact it would help me massively, like productivity-wise, absolutely. And I think even like at the gym and stuff, like you're sitting there and you're in between setting, you're just on your phone, and I'm like, what am I actually doing? I'm just scrolling all this bullshit that half of the shit I don't even care about. And then, you know, you're not getting out of something what you want to get out of it because you're constantly on your phone. Yeah. and it, But again, like, sometimes, like, I guess I guess it's bad that you try and justify it because <laughs> maybe mm. you're just, just going to go on Instagram or something. But, yeah, I just try and, like, regulate what I am doing on my phone. Do you know what I mean? Like, getting the like, getting useful information rather than, use, like, use, use, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna like listen to something on my phone, it it should be like a interesting audio book or something or podcast or whatever, rather than just like yeah. watching a stupid YouTube video. Do you know what I mean? But then I think there's absolutely space for that as well. You know, like yeah, there's definitely. Do you know what I mean? I think everything in moderation. Like I've only just started listening to podcasts, and I feel like I'm totally late to the party. But, um. You know, even stuff for work, like my boss had said to me, like, you know, I want you to start doing stuff with this dead time. So like he was saying, like dead time, sort of like as in like on my commute and stuff where I just listen to music I've listened to a thousand times. Mm. Like I've started listening to podcasts that are going to help me further my skills and things like that. And I just think it's so important to like have that self-development and maybe that's where your phone can be such a fucking wonderful thing it is amazing and it's crazy that you can carry like a world of knowledge on your phone like and i do think that i could probably utilize it in a definitely in a better way than just scrolling instagram constantly for the same shit but yeah again i don't think it takes away everyone's only got 24 hours in a day Oh God! I love it. I love it when people say, you know, Beyonce's only got. I was literally just thinking that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, but it's fucking Beyonce. Like she's got someone that's cleaning the house. She's got someone doing like cooking her fucking meals. Of course, she's got more hours in the day. Like, but yeah. So when he's on about like dead time, I I automatically thought of Beyonce and all of her all of the things that she does. (laughs) To be fair, I don't don't know what she does. Well, no, no, do I, but I think uh, she's just like a powerhouse of a woman, so that's usually the the place people go to with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's changed. That's changed my life, genuine. Like just what? to add that in, like the way I speak to myself and the way I speak about things has blown my fucking mind in terms of it's absolutely changed. Not necessarily the outcome of certain things, but it's definitely changed the way that I've driven something, if that makes sense. Like, my driving instructor was like, how, how are you today? And I was like, oh, I'm not terrible. Because I was too terrified to say I was good in case, like, it didn't last. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then he, he was like, you know, the way you speak to yourself really, like, sets you up. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, 
you've just said not terrible. So now you're sitting there thinking, not terrible. And he said, now say you're fucking mint. And I was like, okay. I was like, you know what? I'm fucking mint. And to be fair, it did make me feel fucking mint as well. And I think like the way you say things or the way you talk to yourself has such an impact on how you feel genuinely in that moment that like, if if I sit here and say, do you know what? Yeah, it has been quite a good day. Like, it is. And you're just affirming that. The same way you would say, you know what? Today's been fucking shit. Because <laughs> it has been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like, I read um, uh, the, Obstacle, the Obstacle is the Way by uh, Ryan Holiday when I was in New Zealand. And in there's a quote from that where it's like, um, there's no good or bad without us. There's only perception. And that the... Um, there's the event itself and then the story that you tell ourselves about what it means. Exactly. Oh, do you know what? It's really funny because I was just about to share. To, oh, no, I did share it. A Tony Robbins quote. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, Love Tony Robbins. Yeah, he's cool as. Like, he was probably the first ever, like, motivational speaker that I, like, heard of and, like, watched videos of. And I remember thinking, but how can that just change your mind? Like, I get it now, but I, I couldn't at all. Um, before but it was uh, it wasn't necessarily the things that happen but how we interpret them and how that shapes how we become and that just like that really resonated with me because I think as soon as you start seeing things in a different way or sort of changing that narrative mm. around what's happened or, or why it's happened or how it's happened or when it's at whatever I think like that completely changes how you react to things and I think that definitely is kind of the way that therapy helped me because it did change the way that I viewed things and how I spoke about things and how I chose to deal with them. Yeah. Because I think it it lets you feel what you've got to feel and then you kind of put that to bed and then that's it done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a cool guy. Tony Robbins. For some reason, he was uh, in the ring with Conor McGregor, I've just remembered. Yeah, well, he's one of those imagine, guys. Imagine just being able to like guys. employ him to be like, oh my God, you're amazing. You can do this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, he doesn't say it like that, but no, I'd be good. a terrible motivational speaker. <laughs> I always sound so <laughs> unenthused. I'm like, yeah, really great. You're so good at this. Okay. <laughs> no, you'll only be a terrible one if you tell yourself you're going to be a terrible one. <gasps> oh my God, see? How about now? <laughs> I could be the best motivational speaker. I'm convinced, yeah. Thank you. Maybe you would be. That's because I just made, motivated you just right there. Yeah. It really I hope convincing. that you feel on top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> or on the flip side of it. <laughs> well, hey. I'm not sorry. Side. That was terrible. Terrible pun. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I feel like I, may, I should have mentioned, like, I missed... Uh, I missed out saying that when we were talking about the stigma of um, therapy, I think also the fact that I'm such like a outgoing bubbly person also made it difficult for people to understand that I was also very depressed and very anxious. Right. Okay. Um, I just felt like that was important to add in there because I think you get a lot of, well, they don't look depressed. Just because mm-hmm. I put my eyebrows on every day doesn't mean I'm, my life's not falling apart to me. <laughs> yeah, I think... Does that make sense? Yeah. I've always, I've always kind of wondered that. I think a lot of, yeah, like like with the suicide prevention stuff that, that I've done, it, a lot of the, obviously you hear a lot of 
the stories of the um, uh, families and relatives. And it's always the, oh, you know, the, the life of the party kind of uh, yeah. that sort of like stereotype. Um, exactly. So I, I was, I'm not sure if it's kind of because people, um, you, know, you know, people put themselves out more because they're having troubles or whether it's I think, the other way around. I, don't know, I think but... for me, it, it was always that I know how shit it feels to feel like that and I would never want anyone else to feel like that. So I've always like, even if I know my friends are anxious or upset or, or frightened of something, I'll make a fool out of myself so that then they feel more comfortable in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I think it's definitely uh, hard. Like I used to, I even used to like be on my way to therapy with like all my makeup and stuff done and be like, oh God, they're going to think that I've like not got any problems at all because I, I look all right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> obviously that's, that's fucking stupid because <laughs> like I say, just because I've got my makeup on, but I'm, I'm very much a person that's like, if I, if I look, I try and make myself look better then I, I assume that'll make me feel better. It doesn't work, but also it's a nice thought. <laughs> well, I mean, there's an there's a argument that you could like be more confident in yourself, but... Yeah, so she made me practice going out without my makeup on okay, my right, second yeah. therapist. And I was like, Ugh. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But I think that's, that's kind of like more... I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. We could talk for another bloody hour about... Um, well, I think it's about, more down. It's more down to you know, it's like loving yourself and being accepted. Yeah, yourself. I think so. Like, I've got quite bad body dysmorphia, which is it can be quite difficult in terms of like, say I'm I'm feeling a certain way about how I look or what my body looks like and all this kind of stuff, and then people are like, it comes down to education again, I think, because people are like, oh, you're so slim though. Like, what have you got to worry about? Or they kind of discount your feelings straight away because they don't understand why you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at, like, it's hard to look in the mirror and absolutely hate what you see, but then you post photos of yourself on social media and you wear makeup and you try and dress well and people are like, oh, you're full of shit. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I understand that. I think the... The, from my experience, the people who have um, the biggest issues with their body or how they look, yeah, um, are, are as, often as, perceived as the most vain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, not, well, not necessarily the most vain, or, or basically, it's it's the people that you wouldn't think would have an issue with them. You know, yeah, it's the people that stereotypically like look good, or do, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think I get, I used to get a lot of stick because everyone would catch me like looking at myself constantly. And I, I never used to understand why I would constantly check what I look like. And like now I know it's because I just, I, I want to make sure I look okay because that is something I worry about constantly. And then like, but previous to like there being any education on that, it's always seen as though I'm obsessed with myself or I think I look great when actually it's the opposite. So like, I think people who post a lot of selfies and stuff like that on Instagram, again, coming back to social media is, you know, a lot of those people are actually very fucking insecure. And just because they're posting a lot of yeah. selfies on Instagram, it, sometimes it's because that's the only way they know how to get some validation on how they're feeling about themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the prejudgment that people get perpetuates how people feel about themselves as well and definitely worsens people's mental health. So everyone should just be a lot fucking nicer, in my opinion. In conclusion, yeah. 
everyone... in conclusion to all of this whole thing everyone just needs to stop being such like a judgmental arsehole true well I think often often you can just simplify things and just like you know just like if everyone just be that be nice to each other <laughs> I mean <laughs> if only it was like, that simple yeah. but yeah, because I mean, if it, if that was the case, all of the minor things wouldn't become major things, and then they'd be like world fucking peace. Do you know what I mean? Like, realistically, no one's ever going to be empathetic to every situation. And I've definitely judged people, and I, I probably still will judge people. And then it's it's taking the step back. I think once you've maybe done that, and then being like, oh, actually, you know, this could be why or whatever. Yeah. Oof, it's late for you, darling. Goodness, when's your bedtime? Yeah, man. My bedtime is usually, hopefully, before the next day. <laughs> like, that, that is, that is my goal. Like that. <laughs> well, so long as I'm asleep before the next day, um, or at least that's what that's my goal on a night time, um, quite often don't hit that. But then after that, it goes, if I'm asleep before one, it's fine. <laughs> and then after that I'm just fucked the next day so I just don't bother <laughs> what time do you, do you get up or what time do you start work um, well I've been doing Operation Get Lush don't know if you've noticed <laughs> uh, what? so I've been trying well Operation Get Lush what's um, that uh, basically my therapist said to me a couple of weeks ago that I said I seem to be doing a lot of the talking and none of the doing <laughs> so I wasn't actually like being as proactive as I could have been to try and help myself right okay so and I was my like my, my anxiety was through the roof my body dysmorphia was fucking crazy I was overeating because I was getting depressed again and I was like shit I was doing so well so then she said that and I thought oh now I just want to prove you wrong and I was like damn it this woman has got my trigger <laughs> do you know what I mean I was like why does she know that I want to prove her wrong instead of just letting her help me <laughs> So then, um, so then, obviously, that's also not very healthy, but whatever. Um, anyway, so I decided that night to do Operation Get Lush when everyone thinks that it's it's about me getting fitter and thinner and whatever, but actually, it's for my head. So it's more for for my mental health than it is my physical health, but that's just a benefit of it. So, in answer to your question, I try and get up at six. <laughs> And sorry, so there's this operation get lush, which yeah, I, I only I can, called I it that as a say. joke, but, uh, but but now it's like it was ironic to begin with, but now I can't help but say it seriously. So is that like go to the gym? You mean <laughs> essentially, okay. and eat better because then I will sleep better, and then I will feel better. And this is what I was saying before, where it's a cycle, and then my thoughts won't be as negative, and I won't yeah. feel as bad about myself, and et cetera, et cetera. So, so like, I like that everyone thinks that it's just about me smashing the gym when realistically it's for my head. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so true that exercise is, is for your mental health as well as your physical. Yeah, yeah 100%. <clears throat> Not even that, though. Just, just even getting out the house and finding it easier to leave the house because I really, really struggle with that sometimes. Mm. Well, it's, it's all part of you it, know, though, yeah. Totally, yeah. And uh, obviously, you know me well enough to know that I'm fucking late to everything. Yeah. But... And that's now some somehow become some sort of personality trait of mine when actually people don't realise that it's like a lot of the time it's just because I can't fucking physically get out of bed or leave the house or get ready. Right, I've yeah. sat in front of the mirror before for like 40 minutes just looking at myself like, why can I not do this? 
I do this every day, put my makeup on, why can I not do this? And I think I think people don't realise that, but also I don't want to sit and tell people really that like, oh, actually the reason I couldn't get here on time or the reason why I'm just on time or whatever is because of this. Like, they're not going to understand that, and that's mm. fine. But yeah, in terms of that, you just have to manage yourself and what and what you can do. So that's why Operation Get Lush started, because I was like, it'll help me get out of bed. It'll help me sort of wake up a bit more in the morning and get ready and start my day and maybe talk to someone first thing. It's a proper bizarre thing, but say if I'm sitting here on a night time, and I used to do it for hours, I wouldn't. I would come in, sit on the couch, not even take my coat off, no lights would be on. I would be sat in the dark for hours and hours and hours just doing nothing. And, like, it was just waste of my life. And I wouldn't eat my dinner. <clears throat> I wouldn't go to bed. And, like, obviously that was when I was probably at my worst. But just talking to someone, even if I just ring someone, I suddenly, I'm up and I'm doing things. Yeah. So, so like, that's why it's really good for me to go to the gym in the morning. Because even if I don't, like, necessarily speak to anyone... I'm like I'm interacting with people, and it's like it's better for me like that. Yeah, you can get yourself but, into like a funk sometimes, can't you? Like yeah, massively. And all you all you need to do is like yeah, pick up the phone or just get out the house, go for a walk or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Like the leaving the house is underestimated in terms of making you feel better, but like that's again that's easier said than done. And I think a, a lot of people don't realise that. I've got I've got friends who physically, like, can't... They, they just can't leave the house. Like, luckily for me, like, work is probably the, the thing that helps me the most to, like, stay sort of level because it, it means I have to leave the house. Yeah. If I didn't have to go to work, then I probably just wouldn't... I would probably die of starvation <laughs> because I wouldn't leave the house. Although, saying that, I could get Uber Eats. <laughs> 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 I would just exist as a like a a blob, <laughs> just uh, full of McDonald's. <laughs> uh, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the pod and sharing yeah, all. Yeah, it. Sharing all. Um, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I can't lie; it does make me feel slightly nervous, but at the same time, you know, this is these are my experiences, and this is how I feel, and that's that isn't it yeah and and i think it's sort of it's one of them where we don't realize how many other people will resonate with what what you talk about you know yeah absolutely and like the thought of it helping one person makes me so happy like when i when i first put on about going to therapy in the first place i had so many messages like my inbox was flooded and it's just like you've got to realize that you know these things can help people exactly Exactly. All right, my love. Well, yes. I'll let you get to bed. Thank- yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm going to finish off this guacamole and get tucked up in bed and listen to the sound of some fucking rain or something. <laughs> Sounds like a great night. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Your late 20s are great. <laughs> <laughs> true that, true that. All right. Ciao, my love. Bye. 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 Bye.